Hello, everyone, and welcome into the show. On this week's episode, we're talking everything Frontierland. Frontierland, one of the original lands at Disneyland, opened in 1955. It is one of our favorites. We enjoyed researching it and talking about it, and we hope you enjoy listening to it, too. Um, if you would like to support the show or follow the show, let's start there. If you'd like to follow the show, you can find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is The Talking Llamas Podcast. And on Instagram, our Instagram is at Talking Llamas Podcast. You can also contact the show. Our email address is TalkingLlamasPod at gmail.com. That is TalkingLlamasPod at gmail.com for any of your questions or comments or concerns. Uh, you can also follow the show on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to the show. Um, nope, that's wrong. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow the show on Spotify. That helps support the show, as well as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating. Either one of those really helps um, get more um, traffic into the show, people um, being brought, it being brought to people's attention. Um, and then another thing you can do is tell a friend. Telling a friend also helps spread word of the show, and uh, and get it to more people. Okay, without further delay, episode 83 of the Talking Llamas podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the show. I'm Robert Camozzi, and I'm joined by Thomas Nelson. Hello, everyone, and goodbye. Go ahead and drink your water, Thomas. We'll wait. No one knew but you. Yeah, well, thanks for telling. Everyone knows. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to get to our uh, main episode topic soon. Uh, we we don't have any real news to discuss, but we do have a question that came in. Um, I posed a question on Instagram, and uh, polka dot pause by Abby, one of our one of the people I interact with on on the Instagram, and, you know, she's asked us a, a questions before, actually. Um, she asks us if you could live inside one of, uh, or one Disney attraction, what would it be, Thomas? Any Disney attraction. And I guess, you know, the thing, I think we had a question before, if, like, we could, if we had to live in either Pirates or, uh, or Haunted Mansion, and, and we asked this of each other, or you asked me, and we both answered, but in that question, the you know the pirates or the ghosts, whichever you chose, uh, would come to life, and so that yeah, I think scarier. that was my would you rather? Mm. Which one between those two would you rather encounter? Yeah, this one is not. It's a, any attraction. It sounds like it's adjacent, right, so. but but different. Um, I I'll, I'll go first because I've had time to think yeah, about this. Go ahead. Um, I I think I would choose flight of passage actually. Um, so you mean the visual that we experience because you don't want to be inside the sitting on that bike like well yeah there's living. the whole I, i'm i get i'm gonna assume the queue is part of this i'm hoping otherwise it doesn't okay. make any sense and then i'm going to assume as well that uh this everything sort of comes to life i'm, I'm kind of taking liberties with this question but uh, you know so you have access to the compound that is the queue and the what you're flying through on the ride and also you can walk out to pandora um that's just right out that's your backyard so that's beautiful 
Pandora being the rest of the land? Yes. Okay, you are taking liberties. I think it's... Whatever. Okay, so the attraction itself, though, is that I've only been on it twice, but in one week of time. Uh, it is that you are in this, like, laboratory or something, and then you have access to the the lamp Pandora mm-hmm. in, in Flight of Passage. Yes. So that that is all part of the attraction. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a pretty good guess. I mean, not guess, but selection. Yeah. Um, I... Did she say any park? She said any Disney attraction. So that gives oh you pretty much anything you want. Well, you know, a nice heads up would have been. Okay. Um, I gave you a few seconds. That's true. I told you before we started recording that we had a question to answer. It was a, well, Splash Mountain is off the table because it's far too dark. And wet. Yuck. Yeah, definitely wet. Um, Man, there's just too many animals. I don't know. Flight of Passage is a really good pick. Yes. I agree. I actually thought of that one about five minutes ago. I'm proud of it. Kilimanjaro safaris. <laughs> uh, I mean, that there's worse I mean, attractions, I guess. Although, if I could guarantee my safety, it would be kind of cool. Yeah, you wouldn't want to stumble into that wild dog sanctuary or whatever. Never mind all the lions and tigers. And bears. Well, I don't think there are tigers and bears on. There's not. Well, there's in no fact. bears in Animal Kingdom whatsoever. That was just a, you know. Of course, yes, I know, but. The tigers is not a part of it. Um, this is t- this is tough. Pick a park for me. I'll choose from that park. Um, oh man, that makes it tough for me. I, Hollywood Studios. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, just pick Spaceship Earth. We all know you want it. That's where you want to live. Yeah, you can go that, back that in time. Right. Yep, that's it. Um, Figment and Figment. Well, I'm now just choosing Epcot. I guess I should have given you Epcot. Well, I'm I'm no longer going by the choose a park. I'll do it. Because um, your choices suck. <laughs> How about Matterhorn? What do you think about that? I suppose. That's, eh, this is your choice. What's the fun in that? You, you got a whole, where you are in Flight of Passage, you got a whole entire world out there at your disposal. Yeah. Um, is there anything like that in Disneyland? What about the Hall of Presidents? <laughs> oh, no, that could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Pick their brains. Go in you know? there and give them high fives. Yeah. After hey. hours. Um. What was you? What did you just ask me? Um, yeah, something before. But whatever. Oh, I might have been trying to collaborate with you because I have so little time to consider this. Well, you have. I mean, we have nothing. But I mean, um, yes. there's, there's. I'm, I think of rides with good cues because that's part of it. Like uh, Indiana Jones comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pirates and Haunted Mansion always come to mind for me with this because it's particularly Haunted Mansion because it's an actual house like it's kind of that's what's that's what it is and then another one that came to my mind was actually um uh the Millennium Falcon ride Smuggler's Run that came to my mind as well so we would live in this attraction yeah but but imagine it kind of came to life because I mean you know if it was just the attraction it'd be kind of weird okay so the the railroad isn't going to really work then because how does it come to life exactly you know I suppose I was thinking that that one but that's not going to work. Well, there's the dioramas or whatever the you could the dinosaurs, yeah, and the birds, and the birds, and the storm in the Grand Canyon. Oh boy, yeah. flash floods! Watch out. Well, um, what about Tom Sawyer's Island? I was that's thinking of that. Yeah, but there aren't really any characters up there. Like there's a pirate's lair, right? But yeah. there's no pirates. You don't know that. <laughs> I don't. I guess you're right. I don't know anything. Um. <laughs> It might be kind of cool at Radiator Springs Racers. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to pick that because I... Well, and then you have Cars Land at your disposal if we're saying that that's you well, have access to your... Apparently front. we are. <laughs> well, hey, that's your front yard, dude. What are you going to do? You, you just... I mean... 
Well, I, it doesn't matter. I think there's a lot in that attraction that's pretty cool. And if it talking cars, yeah, and you get to ride in some of them and customize, this is pretty cool. You're also we're also not assuming that. I mean, you're going to leave your house, so like, you know, within walking distances flows. So yeah, you have a neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Okay. Although in the case of maybe pirates, well, certainly in Flight of Passage, it is sort of a contained environment. Mm, indeed. So like, it could come to life and be its own thing. Yep. Eh, I'm I'm going with uh, Radiator Springs Racers. I thought you were going to go with Luigi's tire thing, whatever that. The right? tire thing. You could live there. Soren. That could be fun. Well, yeah. no, you just—that's you're actually hang gliding. Yeah, just stick with the, stuff. Just stick with the the one you had. Although you would, if you did choose Soren, you would have, uh, you know, Patrick Warburton as a roommate. So that would be here's nice. the thing about the haunted mansion, though, as an option, is you get the holiday version, which includes Gingerbread House. That's true. You could sneak a bite from the backside that no one gets to see. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Every you know every day. Is there any good choice? Uh, Space Mountain? No. I, f- no. I feel like you're a major choice. <laughs> I know, but I want to. It's, you know, you had time to think about it. I'm just, yeah, I know. I know. It's unfair. It's unfair. It's a fun fair. It is. Okay. Uh, oh, what is that good? Oh yeah. I'm you had anything else? No, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> okay, very good. Enchanted Tiki Room. <laughs> I, I thought of. I actually thought of Tower of Terror briefly, um, but yeah. You know. I just feel like it'd get boring kind of quickly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, on this week's episode, we are pulling up one of our, I mean, before we've done this, where we've gone over um, different lands in in Disneyland and discussed the history of them and what's there now and what might be there in the future and how we feel about it. Um, This week, we are moving on to a, um, I don't know what, I I really enjoy this land. I think Tom's does as well. Well, so far we've done Main Street, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Adventureland, New Orleans Square, New Orleans Square. I think we did Critter Country, Critter Country, and Fantasyland. Oh, we've done many of them. So that leaves just a couple. Mm-hmm. So today we are going over Frontierland. is a tribute to the faith, courage, and ingenuity of the pioneers who blazed the trails across America. We find ourselves back in the exciting days when the story of our country's past was being lived. We will ride a covered wagon to a roaring river town, pay a visit to Slewfoot Sioux's Golden Horseshoe, and then catch the paddle wheel steamer Mark Twain for a trip down the rivers of America. Thomas, the frontier. What do you when when you think of when you think of Frontierland and Disneyland, Thomas? What comes to mind? What do you think and and how how do you feel about Frontierland and Disneyland specifically? What comes to mind is dust and dirt and cowboys, and that's not totally off from what actually comes up in my mind. Um, 
I do think of it as almost like a dusty area for some reason, even though there is no dust. Well, present. think of, think about the ground that you walk on. It mm. looks like it's yeah. just a, you know, like a dirt path that mm. you everyone sort of created the trail by walking over it. Yeah. So I guess they did a good job making it feel that way. I'm getting thirsty thinking about it. Um, uh, what what else did you ask me? I was just wondering what you think of it. What uh, oh, what yeah. uh, do you enjoy it or how? Where I guess where does it land on your um, on your pantheon of favorite lands at Disneyland? It is it's top three, I guess, but it's definitely not one that I would ever want to see go. Oh, certainly not. It's it's been and as we'll get into, I'm sure it's been cut back so since it's opening in 1955 oh, it's been uh cut back so incredibly um what is what is there now is sort of a shadow of what what it once was um in many ways i wonder i guess just people moving away from that you know when when disneyland was being constructed the whole fascination with the old west and all that was sort of at its peak with yeah. uh, movies that were coming out and um, just you know, westerns, westerns that in general, genre, David yeah. Crockett, that sort of thing, and uh, so they invested a lot of uh, space, real estate, square footage into that land, um, and over time, it's been eaten away by you know, but particularly New Orleans Square has taken over a large part of what used to be Frontierland. Well, yeah, let's. I mean, let's sort of lay it out what it used to be. I mean, it's currently Frontierland as it is. And then if you went alongside that junction between Frontierland and Adventureland, right where Pirates is, that still was Frontierland. And then it, it even went all the way around through uh, Critter, Critter Country. Yeah. And really, since it included Tom Sawyer Island and the Rivers of America, it went all the way back around to where we now know to be Big Thunder. But if you remember Big Thunder Ranch, that was north of Big Thunder Mountain, even all of that, which I think now is either the entrance to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or part of Galaxy's Edge, mm. uh, even all of that was was in the Frontierland um, perimeter. It's quite a lot of space. Yeah. And they have cut back. And I think pretty good because New Orleans Square is great. Critter Country is good. Like, good. Cut, cut those well, out. Well, and but. I think it's interesting, too, because... It, it was by it had to have been by far the largest land because when you think about things like Fantasyland, Main Street, uh, uh, Tomorrowland, those things haven't really changed in size. Uh, I don't think much. I mean, there hasn't been much of an increase, so like or decrease in in the square footage they take up in the park. So when you think of Frontierland plus New Orleans Square plus Critter Country, it was just a huge part of the park yeah. back then. Not that that's a bad thing. Like I said, it was such a popular genre at the time. You know, I, I think of this as like when you talk about, um, for whatever reason, this always when I think about it reminds me of Toy Story. Like Woody was kind of the, and, and they go into this more in Toy Story 2, about how Woody was sort of the the it thing, the, you know, he was a cowboy and all that. And then, you know, uh, the moon landing comes in 1969 and then, you know, space toys were a bigger thing. That's something that uh, I think is, Stinky Pete says. <laughs> he talks about how, like when the moon landing happened, like all the all the uh, cowboy and cowboys and stuff that went out of style a little bit. And I, I think that that happened to a degree with Disneyland. You see, just 
not that it was replaced by Tomorrowland, because Tomorrowland was already there, and it's on the other side of the park, but the just the fascination with the Old West sort of receded, and then at that point, Frontierland's cut of the park decreased significantly. It's a mistake, though, to think that, you know, there's Thunder Mountain, which is just sort of on the edge of Fantasyland, then the Golden Horseshoe, and then that sort of little area that, you know, there's not much there, but it goes up to the River Bell. Was that the restaurant? River Bell Terrace. River Bell Terrace. And then that's the end of, that's sort of the end of Frontierland. Right. But really all, I would say, like, you you kind of have to consider all of the rivers of America part of definitely Frontierland. Yeah. So it's actually still a huge part of the park if you count that whole area, plus Tom Sawyer Island. Um, I mean, it's just a huge chunk of the park even now. Um, it feels like a really small part of the park because the part that you walk on is is pretty pretty small. It's like Adventureland size, and there's only one attraction, really, other than, I guess, if you count uh, the, uh, the, the riverboat, that's two. But the point is, is it's just not, there's not like a, it's not really an att- a land made for attractions. Not anymore. Mm. It actually started out with quite a few attractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah indeed. And uh, we, I don't know if we want to get to that now. Yeah, we but, can start that now. Uh, but but also just the land mass of the land, the actual s- stuff you can walk on was bigger. So now a lot of the same perimeter is there, but it's water or an island that you have to get on a raft to go to. But yeah, it seem, it feels smaller for sure. Yeah, know. it just has this. And I think part of that is that the water is just pushing up against it and it doesn't go very deep back. Like, you know, New Orleans Square, the water is up against it. But there's some space in between the water and like sort of the shops and the attractions, and then that that it stretches further back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it feels like the water's pushing up right up against you in Frontierland, and then the buildings are sort of you're like sandwiched between the buildings and the water, and it just feels like the whole land is comprised of a walkway almost, which isn't true, but it it, it when you think about it, it has that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. There's. I mean, all these different kinds of attractions, but the the main ones, the bigger attractions at the time were um, two different kinds of wagons, it, lo- it seems like, stagecoaches, yeah. and what they called uh, Conestoga wagons, which they, they look differently. The Conestoga wagon is bigger. It's like longer. Mm. It has uh, like arches overhead that's kind of open air, but also covered a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah, and uh, those were only there for about five years in total. Uh, and they also had pack mules, which you may have seen. Yeah. And that was there from 1956 to about 73. And that actually looked pretty cool. Like they had, they saw these pictures of kids and adults on the mules going through a ride through, I believe, Nature's Wonderland or that area. That's a whole other area. Another attraction was a uh, mine train through Nature's Wonderland. Yes. And... I went through Rainbow Caverns and and that sort of thing, right? The, yeah, you um, you uh, you loaded the mine train in Rainbow Ridge, mm-hmm. the mining town that was there, and still a part of the queue for Big Thunder. And then you yeah, it took you all through back where you know Big Thunder Ranch used to be, and what is now part of at least the entrance to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So, like I said, there was a lot. The attraction just took up a lot of space. Um, those three were all sort of in the the same area. And then there were the, the different boat attractions. There's Mike Fink keel boats, which came from the Davy Crockett TV show. And then there was the Indian War canoes. Yeah, which, which we still have. And But they're they're not called that anymore. They've changed to Davy Crockett's Explorer canoes at a certain point. But even that, 
stopped operating under that name in 1998. Anyway, we have the canoe still, and then I think there might have been another one, maybe not. But well, there's the Columbia that that came about in um, 1958, I think. Yeah, and so that that did come about pretty early on and, as uh, well. Mark Twain Riverboat as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's like six. It's about six or seven attractions. The Columbia is based on a ship, by the way, that the first ship that that flew the american flag around the world from like in, in the late 1700s um was something oh, really? I read. yeah oh, that's cool it's based on that ship apparently uh it's like a i don't know if it's an exact replica but it's a very very close representation of of that ship yeah so that's interesting yeah so there was a lot definitely a lot more attractions i don't view frontier land as an attraction heavy section i mean now you mean what I, yeah and what i mean is that i don't look at it as I want to go there to ride an attraction. I think even when it was incepted, it was like Walt was what Walt said was something along the lines of, you know, um, he was trying to preserve some spirit of America's beauty, right? And and he saw, you know, industry and that sort of thing sort of chipping away at the beauty that is America, that America has to offer, right? Um, in terms of wilderness. And he wanted to preserve some of that within the park and capture it and educate people um, while making it entertaining, which was always his goal. So that it went into that with that spirit. And they and the attractions were also based around it. And the attractions we're talking about, many of them anyways, are different from things we see now. Like you wouldn't have it. Like I guess you see like vehicles on Main Street still. Like that's still something you see. But the whole stagecoach thing, it just, you know, it doesn't feel like something you could imagine even seeing there now. Like that would be so bizarre to me. But maybe yeah, that's just well, I we're mean, not used to it. Think about it. I guess what happened was uh, with the stagecoaches that at, at one point they were, one of them maybe tipped over or something. Well, that actually happened with one of the boats, but well, one thing they, they were said, prone to tipping over. Yeah, and one thing they said is they're at the edge of Frontierland, what, what I'm assuming used to be, well, actually, I know this for a fact. I looked into it. The, the Frontierland station, they used to have one, but it was just it was just where the New Orleans station is now, I think. And apparently that whistle would startle the horses oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that was, you know, that that could have caused that. And right. So they actually disbanded the horse thing after. Mules. Mules. They had one horse, I think, leading the pack for the mm. mules and then mules after Yeah, that. so they had, to, they had to sort of end that. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, they weren't getting rid of the train. Um, so they, yeah, the, no the horses were the ones that had to go. What's interesting about that train station is, is it... Um, well, I mean, I, I, I sort of already alluded to it, but it um, it's if you can picture where the New Orleans station is now, but as Frontierland, that's where it was, and it was based on the 1949 Disney film So Dear My Heart. Like, it was, I guess, loosely based around that sort of environment. Um, so anyways, that's interesting, and now it's been replaced by the New Orleans thing, and that's where the the telegraph of Walt's speech is played throughout the his day. opening day speech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boy, I kind of wish I was around for those times because it seems like, yeah, there. Uh, what we traditionally view as attractions, so the wagons, the horse stuff that uh, you needed tickets for, and then the mine train as well. All this stuff required tickets, so you kind of had to, you know, budget your how you were going to spend your day or your tickets on your day. Um, but then other things too, like characters walking around. There's a sheriff and this guy called Black Bart or something. Yeah. Yeah, but there would be gunfights. Well, Zorro had a show at one point, yeah, which included actors from the TV show 
Yeah. Yeah, like the act. Imagine Johnny Depp coming into. Well, he's done that actually. I know, but like, er, but like regularly. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't do it today with with actors from the shows. Well, it's actors from the shows. It's I'm sure it's a totally different thing now. Just oh yeah, what they're the money they're making is probably totally different and. Um, yeah, they had like cowboys walking through. There was like a, a king from I think like Morocco or something who oh, yeah, one yeah. of the cowboys like pulled a gun on him. It's like just part of the show and all of his guards, this was a story that Marty Sklar told that the guards of the king, before he realized that the guy was like an important person, the, the guards of the kings were like pointing guns at the, the actor because... See, I read that too and I think what I read it was that the actor realized... Who, just in time what he was about exactly. to do exactly yeah. he was about to pull the gun and okay. so metaphorically he had these guns pointed at him yeah yeah, yeah. i doubt that they they drew you <laughs> know knows, like six man. or seven guns in the middle of this maybe it happened i mean this would have been a long time ago yeah but yeah so um there was an element of authenticity that was in they invested in that one well, spontaneity for, too like it's not well, right yeah. you felt like you were actually i've seen pictures of people standing watching a gunfight like as they're walking by yeah. so they're like walking and watching yeah but imagine you were in a mining town and you guys watch two people come out of a saloon and they're fighting yeah like that's that could be a real experience you would have had in the actual frontier west yeah. i really like that they did that a lot more they still do it a little bit not really with characters as much you'll have music performances uh, mainly the marching band now but in the golden horseshoe you have a little bit of the performance aspect still there. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed like they had a lot more into it back then. And I wish could stick around, but I understand why some of it can't. Yeah, I think the demand, the, the park has just changed and theme parks in general are a totally different animal now. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that that would have been cool to see. I think like the sweet spot for Frontierland seemed to be like, you know, 59, you know, everything was sort of there. Yeah. Uh, 56 to yeah, 59, 60 would have been. Well, yeah, I mean, 58 is when the Columbia came in. 56 is when Tom Sawyer Island came about. So to me, 59 is right around that, 59, 60 is right around that sweet spot where everything's kind of in its prime for Frontierland. And then I think you see things sort of recede from there. Um, you know, uh, New Orleans Square was what, 64? Is that wrong? I'm, oh, I, I have it in my notes. I think it was actually 1966. Um, and I do mean notes from a previous episode. Yeah. Cause I saw a map, the map in the book that we, one of the books I used anyway, mm-hmm. but that we both have is, f- um, from 1958, I believe. And it shows New Orleans street as well, a part of, they did have a New Orleans section yeah. as a part of Frontierland. And I was confused. I thought this map was, um, not like a real map, but it was sort of like an amalgamation of different things that were there at some time, but actually, yeah, there was a street there, the name of New Orleans, um, and the reason I thought that it was, if they were saying it was New Orleans Square, that 1958 seemed too early. So I looked it up and I believe it was 1966. July 24th, 1966 is when yeah. New Orleans Square opened. You have to think it took them a couple of years to construct that. So Frontierland was already sort of pared back probably for several years before that opened. Um, but yeah, you're right. So, but the point is, is it didn't last super long. I mean, like a decade, basically, where it was that size, um, which I, as we've discussed, I think it's a good addition or an excellent addition. New Orleans Square is probably my personal favorite land of any Disney park I've ever visited. I just love yeah. it. So it's like, that's fine. But it, it would have been interesting to be there in 1959, 1960, when things were really just sort of at their peak. They had the characters walking through, you know, the shows. Um, 
you could you could ride the nature the the mine train through nature's wonderland all that sort of thing um you know thunder mountain has replaced that attraction or is where it used to be so um that's you know again a great attraction one of my favorites but i would have loved to have i think maybe frontierland more than any other land i would have liked to have seen what it was like in the past i think maybe this is the number one land for that in terms of like being there like shortly after it opened i, I think that yeah because it seems like there was more to offer and on a relatively similar level that uh i mean it's below big thunder but it's above sort of the boat ride around mark twain like those are the main attractions you'll have in frontierland so there's this middle zone where riding on a mule would be kind of fun yeah even if it's just like you're going through dirt and you you know maybe the if there are animatronics it's not very good but like it'd still be fun especially if you have your kid too yeah um and then the the wagons could be fun being inside of a stagecoach or on top you could sit on top too um it just seemed like it could be a lot of fun in a different way. What I like about all this is it's really American, including yeah. New Orleans Square. What they changed, you know, part of Frontierland into that, and it's these are really unique parts of American culture, yeah, and history. And I like that it's remaining, but um, they both have a certain charm. And and yeah, like like you said, I'd like to go back and in those first ten years, maybe visit Frontierland, including. Um, the Golden Horseshoe. I, w- I would like to see what that was like back then. That was uh, Harper Goff's design. And apparently Walt asked him to replicate the the saloon from a movie called Calamity Jane, which apparently was a movie that Harper Goff like, worked on. And like. And Walt didn't know that. And Walt had no idea yeah. when he asked him, so that's kind of well, funny. Yeah, I think Harper Goff designed the set for that. Yeah, so exactly. It was like, <laughs> so. Yeah. That's interesting. He just happened to pick the right person. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. Exact, not, it's not like a, he was like some, you know, make a Western saloon. He had a specific movie in mind, and Harper Goff happened to work on that movie and design the set for it, so it was perfect. I wonder if Walt really did know, but pretend to be ignorant, so that Harper, Harper Goff might just be like, oh, he doesn't even realize Maybe. I don't, what I did. I don't know what the benefit to that would be exactly, though. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking maybe that the Harper Goff wouldn't just do an exact replica. Yeah. Because if he, I don't know, because if he didn't work on the film or he didn't think Walt thought that, that's confusing. It is a wild coincidence yeah. if if he did happen to just, I mean, Harper Goff was one of the more, you know, involved Imagineers and that sort of thing. So it's not unusual that he would choose Harper Goff, but there were several that he could have chose from. The fact that he chose the person who worked on the movie that he was, you know, trying to mimic, that's interesting and funny. So... Well, yeah, so the Golden Horseshoe is great. Uh, still great. Still great. It's there from opening day. Um, the shows have changed over the years. I don't have recent history. Is, uh, I don't have all the full history on that, but they had, I think the, the show itself was called Slewfoot Sue's Golden Horseshoe Review. So I guess Golden Horseshoe Review for short. But apparently that ran like 50,000 times over all the years that it was open. And... Um, this woman, Betty Taylor, took over for the original Slewfoot Sue, Judy Marsh, and apparently did like 45,000 performances. Jeez. So that's like every day, pretty much. And then Wally Bogue is a fam- the famous, he's the famous like comedic performer who was also in that same show, and he did about 40,000 performances. And he also voiced Jose from the mm. Tiki Room, which nice. I didn't realize. But there is one, I think on the 10th anniversary... 
they did a, like a televised version of it. And that is on YouTube. You could search for Golden Horseshoe Review, maybe 10th anniversary. It's pretty much the only one I found on there. But it's pretty interesting to look back into the past and see what it was like. And for those who are really into Disney history, they know that Annette Funicello was a Mouseketeer and uh, just in, she was a Disney girl, you know, but she was in that performance in this televised version. And uh, you get a glimpse into what it was like to watch these performances. A lot of slapstick comedy, you know, kind of what you'd expect for the time. But uh, we saw the most recent installment, at least part of it, the dueling, dueling pianos. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. I actually really enjoyed that, yeah. People had expressed some concern that getting rid of the previous, and I don't remember what it was called, the previous show, I think Laughing Stock Barrel, Barrel Company, something like that. Mm. Anyway, getting rid of that was this big sin. But the Dueling Pianos is quite fun. Yeah. And I liked it. Well, and they, they still have, the characters still have, it's not like they're, I think a lot of what people were worried about was that they were cutting entertainment because the Dueling Pianos only takes like a couple people, whereas I think the other show had more people so yeah they took it as like a cost cutting thing which perhaps it was i don't know but the characters that they have are still you know they're still acting and there's still things going on and and it's not like they're just up there playing the piano there 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 was a whole like monologue the guy was going through and all sorts of things and then someone came from out of the crowd that was an actor or you know from yeah. the back of the back of the restaurant so yeah it was entertaining and and they change things all the time and people get worried but generally speaking it, it usually turns out pretty i'm not just talking about the golden horseshoe just sort of everything when things change there's always some concern that they're going to mess it up but they they usually do a pretty good job of, uh, of of maintaining interest and excitement on it yeah it's with these performances i'm also thinking about street street performances um because those are fun too even when you just see like a character walking around Fantasyland. To have some people walking around Frontierland would be great. It seems like maybe less that's happening. Over in California Adventure, they had, what was it, like a mayor? and They had a couple yeah. characters walking around Buena, like Vista, Buena Vista Street, Street yeah. in, the, in maybe the Hollywood area. But that's fun to have these people who are playing a character, and it feels real because they're good actors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, It would be cool to have that in Frontierland. I'm not sure why they can't do that. Well, exactly. But people, even if it is cutting costs, it is losing some level of immersion. Yeah. And... I don't know. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see it go away completely, because we don't see it in Frontierland much. Adventureland, no way. New Orleans Square, no way. Maybe yeah, maybe you see performers pirate, like pirate performers and stuff. Characters. That's something. Oh, yeah. you're right. The the music group. They have a jazz group and a pirate group. Um, that's well. Yes, that's true. You're right. So um, that's a little bit of but something. Where are the critters in Critter Country? <laughs> yeah, just release some rabbits and <laughs> squirrels. You know, badgers. Bad, badgers critters i guess there's well yeah well, you see it in galaxy's edge right i mean you okay. see that and and that's i mean i get that galaxy's edge is supposed to be like peak immersion like that's kind of the idea of it you see the same thing with like pandora where it's supposed to be like the peak of immersion um but why not like you know why not have a space person walking through tomorrowland and a cowboy walking in frontierland and yeah, it seems like maybe uh, Frontierland is the one that's lacking. Because even Main Street, you'll have... I would count the Dapper Dans as mm-hmm. a part of yeah. that performance aspect. And then also the, the the pianist at the refreshment corner playing yeah. the piano um, adds to it. And street, street vehicles, all that. Frontierland deserves more. But I, I wonder if it's it's really just people are less interested in 
in that, like, because you said at the time of the creation of Disneyland, this on t- on television in popular culture, westerns were a big thing. Yeah, and I so mean, was, I wonder if they made Disneyland today, like, if it was just built today, if they'd have a Frontierland. I really wonder. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how big it would be. It started out, like we said, it covered a lot of surface area. Yeah. So it might just be smaller. I feel doesn't Knott's Berry Farm have something like it? I feel like it does. I've only been once. So. But I was thinking about this uh, sort of nostalgia for the West and yeah. like appreciation and, pr- and pride in American history and the pioneers who came. Never mind, you know, all the negative side of that. But what they were thinking of it. Uh, I wonder if it's similar to how, like, today, a lot of people look back on great fondness of, like, World War II or something. Yeah. Like, that history is really fascinating to a lot of people. I wonder if it's just a similar, you look back to, like, you know, 70 years ago, something happened. Because about 1950, 70 years ago, about 1880, you know, that's kind of the mining towns were definitely a thing. Yeah. Far, I mean, uh, California, uh, the... The 49ers were miners, and well, they probably 1850 they, was when the state was established, essentially. Well, I mean, you got to think, in 1940, 1950, people had relatives who probably yes. grew, that grew up during that time. Yes. So it's like, like, like you said, like now we have relatives who served in, some people anyways, have relatives who served in World War II or, or maybe relatives who've just passed like they grew up with grandparents maybe that were in world war ii and it's the whole culture american culture around that time and i would extend it even through the 60s because i said this in one episode about i forget what it was about but about cars land being representative of americana it has it ties into it with those old types of cars and a particular style uh that just comes with it and i think they threw some architecture in there but anyway you you wouldn't have made that, I don't think, at the time that Disneyland was made. But yeah. even though some of those cars were around, it just would have been like, today you're putting today's vehicles in a movie in the park. It, it just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, there's probably something there. That uh, Yeah. We're, so maybe we're going to have to phase things out. By we, I mean them. Well, I mean, you can't phase... There's certain things you just can't phase out. Like, you can't phase out the rivers of America. Like, right. that's just always going to be there. So, I don't know. I mean, I just think Frontierland has to stay. I, I don't see any reason why it would have to go um, in lieu and in, and in lieu of what? Like, what would replace it exactly? I don't even know. That's a good question. I mean, it's a good, good point. I don't. Maybe they don't have to phase away from it, but find a way to revitalize it so that people are interested in it in the same way they might be interested in the, the Cars Land yeah. uh, aesthetic. And Inject then something theme. into it. That, yeah. I will say, not to get too deep into this, there's a lot wrapped up in like the front, the frontiersmen now, and um, you know, uh, expansion of America and the moving into the West and all that. I mean, there's there's a lot of political stuff wrapped it up into that. I wonder um, how much they want to revitalize that um, and bring well, attention yeah, to I it. Well, yeah, I mean, and you have a great point, but at the same time. Um, We've talked about it, I think, that going back to change the past or eliminate our view of it doesn't help anything. You need to uh, use an opportunity to learn. So maybe they can find some way to um, do that. I don't know. That's up to them. They're the ones who are creative creative and being paid to be creative. Well, exactly. And I think it needs to be, it's sort of representative of the time. So like when Frontierland first opened, they had all these sort of Native American, what what I read was authentic Native American like 
shows and dances and well, that was in the Indian village. Yeah, yeah. And the point of of that to me is, is like at least from what I read, is you know depictions of Native Americans were sort of caricatures and on TV and and that sort of thing. And this was meant to be more of an authentic um, representation. And you know that's not something that people do today, but you know at that time it was something that was actually positive. Or, or looked at as positive uh, because it was a, a, a realistic and good representation of what was actually, you know, Native American culture. So, yeah, I mean, I think they framed it as like these are full blooded Indians or something. So that's kind of weird that you're like, hey, come look at these real people. It's, yeah. it's kind of weird. You know, it's not the worst for sure. You just kind of have um, to look at it from the time, though. So, like at that time, exactly. it was just a different time. It's not something you do today, but at that time, yeah. it was. It was actually a positive thing because and apparently uh, it just dwindled away because pe- people weren't as interested in going yeah. to, to to witness all the ceremonial dances and whatnot, which actually looked pretty cool. Yeah, like they'd be kind of cool to see. But I wonder how much you could like come back and keep watching that if you are not a part of part of the culture. Yeah, like how much if you don't understand it really. Like I could I could imagine going like right now I don't understand how the dances work what the context is why they're done um, who should be doing them you know I don't know any of that so unless they do a great job teaching it I wouldn't I wouldn't have a reason to come back and and see it and even then I'd have to be connected to it I think there's not a rewatchability for you you think well I think it's a very intimate part of their culture that I don't know how well it can be shared outside of it I just don't know I, I think it's I do think it's intimate I think it's cool to look at but i don't i don't know the full details of it there's a positivity though to sort of educating people about it but i want i do wonder if more and more as you know disneyland becomes like a vacation spot more than like it's like people don't go many people anyways don't go there to be educated disneyland maybe more so than like disney world for example which is definitely just like a vacation spot unless you're like someone who lives within six hours um Disneyland is more of a locals thing, um, and so I think that you know people are more open to being educated. Sort of. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm reminded of this thing that Walt talked about, and um, it's obviously true that if you're going, you want to entertain, but you and you want to educate, but they have to kind of be balanced. And I think that there was maybe too much of an educational element to the Indian Village and everything that came with it. Okay. Because of what I. I think because of the similar issue that I raised, which was that how much can you come back and be entertained by it? Yeah. Because we can go back to pirates and be entertained all the time because it's, you know, whatever reasons. I also but, think of like, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to go, go ahead. Go ahead. I think of something like the Tiki Room, which is sort of like, it's obviously sort of like a representation of like island culture or something. But it, I go every time that I go to a Disney park that has the Tiki Room. I always go on it. I don't ever, I, I revisit it, basically. It has re, re-rideability, which isn't the right word because it's not a ride, but you understand. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it has um, repeat value is the point. Yep. And I do wonder, like you said, it's like there's a balance to be struck between education and entertainment, particularly in a place like Disneyland where it's a vacation spot first and foremost or like, a, you know, it's like going to the movies type of thing it's for, for locals and a vacation spot for people who come out of state. Now, there is a different element to this. Um, that is, well, okay, if we looked at the, what is now Tropical Hideaway, but uh, what was it called before um, over in Adventureland? Remember that section? 
Yeah, you mean years and years ago? Now. Yeah, is it Tangaroa that. Terrace? That sounds no. Right. That's that's the place over at Disneyland Hotel, right? Well, that's Trader Sam's. Is it called Tangaroa Terrace? Oh gosh. Anyway, it's been too long. <laughs> in the exact location where uh, Tropical Hideaway is today, so that's between Enchanted Tiki Room and Jungle Cruise, they had performers there. They would come out. I guess Polynesian type, maybe, mm. I don't know, Southeast Asian. Well, I don't know specifically, so forgive me if I'm incorrect. Um, that is no longer the case. Performers have gone away. Now, I wonder, because our culture is much different and many more people have come into the culture who are not white people, which frankly, if you look at the old pictures, that's a lot of what you see in the parks. Yeah. And Asian people, it's interesting. Uh, honestly, it's those two. You'll see a lot of that. But... Uh, now that there's more variance, there's a lot of different cultures, I think you could bring stuff back like that and you'd have an audience, including the Native American dances, if you did it well and tastefully and and fit it into a theme somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you have to have authentic performers as well. Yeah. and That would be required. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you and Disney's, Disney does that. I mean, you see that in uh, uh, Epcot specifically quite a bit. And we talked a little bit about that as well for like Al- Alani's similar of course you know that's in Hawaii so that's easier to find authentic people to work at a location but you know the point is is that they're no stranger to getting people you know doing those types of things to carry the culture um, forward within the parks and making them people from that culture who want to work there and authentic I mean I th- I'm, sh- I'm sure it's certainly possible yeah, I mean, I guess I just like the idea of having a celebration of the culture that you're talking about. And uh, it doesn't need to be the one that you grew up in either. Um, so in connection to Frontierland, there is none. I'm just kidding, there is. The Indian Village was a part of that. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's gone now because I think the audience dwindled and uh, perspectives changed. I think there might have even been labor disputes or something. But it, it, the Indian village, so you know where it was, it was essentially right where Splash Mountain is, Critter Country. Okay. Yeah. And the, the canoes loading section is right there. So that, that's how you can remember it. Yeah. What do you think about the two space-based lands sort of pushing up against Frontierland now? You've got Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. You've got Tomorrowland, you know. That like maybe space is the new frontier? I, yeah. I mean, and so now admittedly, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is based off a fictional thing, right? But the fictional idea... so far, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the point is, excuse me. The point is, is that it was. It's you've got these sort of futuristic elements that are more enticing to people. I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is or why. Well, I think but... people like looking at the past and forward towards the future. So yeah. um... there's also this mythology surrounding Star Wars that it just isn't present and you know there's like there's i will say this there's very little to no ip in frontierland i mean it's basically there's none of it that's true yeah that's true i can't really think of much so does that does that sort of do they need to have some frontierland movie you know not frontierland movie but a movie that can be put in frontierland to inject some excitement into that land is that something that well uh, according possible? to disney's business model i think yes <laughs> i think that's what they have to do um, according to us no but yes according to how they seem to be doing things yeah yeah yes i think technology and the yeah the the story of star wars and just space exploration is more intriguing to people 
because it presents a, I guess like a better future. Um, like the opportunity for one, mm-hmm. the door is open and it's definitely not something that, you know, at this point, you know, how land looks and how animals look and how roller coasters feel big thunder and how old shows. So if you want to go into the past, you can, if you want to go into the future, you have more options now. Um, and just experience something kind of in, in quotes out of this world, yeah. you know, it's cool. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to change the subject here if that's fine. Yeah. I'm move on. What about food in Frontierland? I think it's really, really good, actually. And that's today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much to say about the past, except for I keep hearing about Aunt Jemima's Pancake House. Oh, yeah. Which seemed delicious, I guess. They apparently had someone playing Aunt Jemima come out and like sing to sing something to everyone out there eating their food. But that is what is now Riverbell Terrace. Okay. Just so for reference. We haven't eaten there. That's right. But, but that's I've heard, been there for a long time. I've heard good things from the few people who've eaten there. And then you've got um, Rancho del Zocalo. And then you've got uh, the Golden Horseshoe, which we enjoy as well. You know, they, yeah, yeah. And uh, But Rancho del Zocalo is one of my favorite spots in Disneyland to eat. Like It's as a, surely underrated. Yeah, I wonder if... I, I feel like people who go to Disneyland regularly know about it. But like somebody who just goes on vacations there, it's not something they're sort of aiming their sights at necessarily i guess for me i I judge it as underrated because i often forget that it's so good yeah i think of other places to go first but that one is spectacular it also feels sort of hidden in a way it's a little bit tucked away yeah behind the architecture the spanish architecture yeah um but i really love how it juts up right up against the big thunder so you get you get that uh sort of audible like exposure to the ride and then you, you, I imagine a lot of people maybe just came off the ride and go eat or are planning to go soon and they're having a snack or something. Is that the best quick service spot in Disneyland? Yes. What could be better? I mean, some people may say Bengal barbecue. I... No way. There's way more options at, at mm-hmm. Rancho. And more food. Like you get more. You can get food. full meals. Yeah. I'm trying to think of more anything, space. Anything like that's. Bengal barbecue, of... you can. Um, you can get jumbled up. We did, right? We got a lot of people waiting for the orders. We hit there right, though, right at the peak. The point so. is, there's not much space. Yeah. There's plenty of space at Rancho Del Zocalo. <laughs> um, what about Tropical Hideaway? There's more food options now. It's spacious. It's not. It doesn't, it's not the same. It doesn't. I mean, you can get some good stuff there, but it does not. I mean, even like the pods are just fine, and that's kind of what there is there. Yeah. You know, Um yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's the best quick service place in any Disney park I've ever been to, but it might be the best in Disneyland. You know, I think so. If you like Mexican food, especially, well, you and, can and, get that chicken, that half chicken thing. Yeah. It's like that's Mexican vaguely, I guess, because it comes with like rice and stuff. But really, it's just that's just good food, and it's healthy. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, mean, for what you're finding at Disneyland. He, oh yeah, I mean, if you want to eat somewhat healthy at Disneyland, that's basically your spot. Yeah, and uh, you get you do get your food quickly. It is quick service. I will say there's Ronto Roasters, and you have not had a Ronto wrap yet. I very much enjoy that. But I know it almost feels that I that almost feels separate. It's so weird that Galaxy's Edge is in Disneyland. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Yeah, their food is great. Um, yeah, those are pretty much the ones. Gordon, Golden Horseshoe is great because you can still apparently get a show. Not now, obviously. Um, well, they oftentimes too at the Golden Horseshoe will have seasonal items like they have yeah. that cook that uh, churro. Sunday. Sunday, which we love. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got, 
ice cream nachos one time there like which i think is like a secret menu item yeah it's not a it's not a seasonal one from to my knowledge yeah i don't know because it i i feel like it was a halloween time thing but i think i think they'll make it anytime i mean it's just ice cream with crushed up waffle cone waffle cone it's like they can make that anytime so yeah yeah and uh it, that one is just a simple one and then there's the one for quick service and then there's the one around the corner that which i'm blanking on the name of right now where you get you often get your chicken nuggets or strips oh my gosh yeah um, um that is so odd that that's there i'd forgotten about it that's you know but the, actually that's a good place if you're not going to do the um the corn dog at the the little red wagon um stage door cafe that's is it, what it's yeah. called um if you're not going to do the one at the the, the corn dog at the little red wagon that's a good spot to get a corn dog there you get fries with it i think instead of chips which the chip thing is kind of annoying because they give you lays which i hate <laughs> and you have to pay extra for doritos anyways <laughs> at, at the little red wagon um but if you go there they'll give you fries and i think it's pretty inexpensive and also it uh it tastes great you know it's a good disneyland corn dog so and we we went you mean michaela maybe well we went in october and december of 2019 and i ended up getting a apple pie funnel cake yep. which was seasonal so you do have options there as well yeah which you could find that anywhere there's I a think. lot of food uh, there i forgot about that spot that's a good spot too it is yeah is it and, the best land for and, food again river bell terrace we haven't even been to but that is the highest price you know i don't location. think it's the best land for food just because i think new orleans square has cafe orleans it has blue bayou it has the those, counter service those options. two though are are as expensive as river bell terrace i know i know i'm just talking so, about like in terms of like in a vacuum you know all things being equal but i guess so the but but uh relative value you get more i think out of frontierland and that's pretty cool yeah at least that's still something that's something that draws me there for sure i do i do also just like walking through there it's pretty fun i also one time bought a sweatshirt in the shop because it was really cold and i didn't bring one to the park that that night and i didn't expect it to be cold and i was cold so i bought a sweatshirt which i very much like it's so it's just a it's not Frontierland specific in any way, but oh, okay. Well, they do have shops there, and that's yeah. worth noting, yeah. including a pin shop. Oh, I do like that shop. Yeah, yeah, always going there for pins. Okay. I have not done the adjacent shooting gallery in some I time either. Maybe once I don't in know the if past I've few ever years. Done it. No, I, I may have done it like when I was very young. I've not done it in years and years and years. That I think that's really cool. They have that because obviously it's not a real gun, but you can pretend, and yeah. it, it might cost quarters. I forget now, but. I hope they don't get rid of that either because you still need something for kids in there because the roller coaster isn't going to be a kid ride. A lot of the time, it can be for sure. Um, yeah, let's see. Anything else? What's your favorite one thing of the whole of the whole land? It's probably the riverboat. I love the riverboat, man. I really, really love it. Um, I was not expecting you to say that. I, I just love that it exists. I don't know. I golden horseshoe is good rancho del zocalo is good but um the riverboat's pretty unique i think and and you know i i don't know i love the rivers of america i love looking at it even if i'm not riding the the riverboat i, I like it being there you know it's just sort of a piece of it that's moving and feels alive it makes the land feel more alive that whole area so i think that's it for me and i, I love the history behind that as well so what about you thomas it's either uh, Golden Horseshoe or Big Thunder Mountain. I mm, think I love Big Thunder Mountain too. Although I'm I'm just I'm just want to give appreciation for 
I think they call it Pirate's Lair at Tom Sawyer's Island now, yeah. but that island, it's really cool. And it's even better in Florida. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's um, better in Florida. But it's still really cool that it's there because it's definitely a different feel. Like you can go there to kind of relax a little bit. It's quieter a lot of the time because they have to they have to sort of regulate how many people go in and that's just by how many rafts they can send people over on however often but it's really it's really cool we didn't talk about the the renovation on the backside of rivers of america yeah which is fantastic to the railroad which includes uh on the once you're coming back towards to port uh you know to load to deload from the riverboat um native american stuff yeah and that's pretty cool i like that it all looks good all of it looks good the whole the whole thing they did um that waterfall looked, animatronics yes all that's and great. they have i believe it, they call it mike fink's cabin which was the burning cabin if, if you remember at least that was what it, i think it was that one hmm. uh, mike fink being a character from davy crockett shows yeah. and there was a ride called mike fink keelboats so they have a boat that looks like that out in front of the cabin i think at least I read that. I didn't verify it, but um, uh, so that's pretty cool. It looks like someone actually lives there. That's kind of fun. It's just they did a great job back there. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. I mean, that renovation is really great. And I guess the reason why I thought of it was because you said the riverboat, and that is my favorite part of the ride now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's backside. the best part. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's just so much to look at. You can go from side one side of the boat to the other, and you have something cool to look at, whether yep. on the island or on, on the railroad. And it's also cool to be able to catch the railroad and wave at them because now there's not really trees blocking you. Which no, is, I not think, at all, yeah. Yeah, they, there was before. And so it's really cool. Yeah. So you have a really good good pick there. <laughs> I'm glad. If you could bring one thing back from the past, what, what would it be? Well, uh, permanently? Sure. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, maybe uh, Big Thunder Ranch. Yeah. Because I don't know much about it, but it seemed like it was kind of cool. I think there was good food there. I don't know that. But if I brought back any of the other things, it might take away. So, like, if I brought back the Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland, even though I might want to see what it was like, we wouldn't have Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah. So that wouldn't be fun. Or even if I just wanted to see the Rainbow Caverns, which looked pretty cool, the colorful waterfalls, you know, glowing, uh, that would have been cool. But, again, no Big Thunder Mountain. We have something similar with waterfalls, but it's still different. So, yeah, something like Big Thunder Ranch would allow them to keep the existing frontier land set up and then have something extra. I think for me it would be the live actors I was yeah, around. Yeah. Good, that's a good pick. I think that that would be an enhancement that would – it wouldn't take any – they wouldn't have to shut down the park, any parts of the park to do any renovations, but they could just do it. And, now, are you cl- including the – like the times when Zora would have his performance and he's like, you know, climbing on the buildings. I mean, and, if they could do it, I'm yeah. all for it, you know? Like, it depends on things have changed. I'm sure there's like, you know, liability things that they're not Termites. willing to take on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you step on that ceiling, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's issues there with the labor uh, agreements and all that, but that would be really cool. Just having like cowboys walk around and interact would be that. That's it. I mean, it would be it would be a huge enhancement because you i mean i'm i'm picturing like a big a bigger man you know in the cowboy outfit and you're like oh ah and then he's got a gun in his holster that's not real yeah or is real 
yeah, it could be from Israel. Um, <laughs> um, I don't care where it's from. Yeah, that would be really cool. That's a great pick. You've made two good picks. You've made two good picks, Thomas, as well. Two great picks, actually. Oh, uh, I also wanted to mention that I believe you can still see remnants of the Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland at the park, which we probably spoke about in our Big Thunder episode. But when there's a, a tunnel, if you're coming into Frontierland from Fantasyland, it's to your right, and it's just like when like to the to your left would be Big Thunder. To your right is this if tunnel. You just, if you're coming out of the exit of Big Thunder, it's like if you look, it's like right it's across, right across. There. Yeah. yeah, there's a but hole there. I believe that was the tunnel that took the mine train back, probably back into Rainbow Ridge. I don't know for sure. And then there's the little pond area. Mm-hmm. There's a bridge you walk over. Number one, there are turtles in that pond. Check them out. And then number two, there's also a, a tunnel, the hole for that, which. Last time we were there, I think, was covered a lot by some ivy, maybe. Maybe. But that sure. also was, they had a, they had a bridge um, extending out of that that the mine train would go on. So you could, you could, you could see some old remnants of the past there. It's kind of cool. Cool. All right, Thomas. Do you have anything else that you want to say that you want to put out there about, uh, about Frontierland before we put it to bed? Um, you enter through what looks like a fortress. That, oh yeah, that's true too. That, well, so, that's actually the point. Yeah. Yeah. When it was yeah. initially made, so I guess yeah, that's something we didn't mention. But yeah. And the shopping opportunities are so-so. I like it. I, 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 I They're not terrible. They're not very. They're not really themed to Frontierland anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll get some some woody stuff, you know. Yeah. And um, what's the the other one? Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. Yes. I wanted to say Jamie. That's not right. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the shopping's just okay. But you, like you said, you got a, just a general sweatshirt there and you needed it. I have found maybe like a couple things in well, there that I liked. To your point, there's not like you that much unique stuff that's like, oh man, you can't find this anywhere else, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps it up for Frontierland. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.